Hello and welcome to your favourite teacher again. Um, I'm here with Alex and we actually did this exact recording yesterday but unfortunately there was a technical glitch and I lost everything so after many tears and tantrums um, I decided to call him back in today so we're hope I mean because yesterday's podcast was wonderful and we've really you know everyone's really lost out so <laughs> let's hope that we can be quite quite as witty yeah, yeah. so Alex Kiriaku um, he is a strength and conditioning coach and um, he's going to talk to us um, a little bit about sports in schools and different pathways that you can take um, and also uh, just ways in which you know the importance of sort of looking after our body and how he got into things like that so Alex, tell us about your own memories from school and why it was that you decided to get into this. As pertains to sport or just in general school? Oh, well, I, I mean, if you've got any funny memories from school, that's fine. Um, I don't, well... I mean, actually, this is not relevant at all, but is, no. was it you who told me that story of the guy who came in with the head wound? Who was like... No. <laughs> came no. in in sick form and he was just sat oh, there... Oh, okay, yeah, sorry, never mind. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, right, let's let's do take three. <laughs> okay, so no, tell us about your, your memories from school um, and P at secondary school in particular. Okay, um, I think obviously looking back at school, you kind of do it through rose-tinted glasses a little bit. Um, I always played a lot of sport at school. I did P, GCSE. Um, when I left secondary school and went to college, I did a BTEC in sports science. So a lot of my studies have always been around sport. Um, and I think I have fond memories of it because I love playing sport. I love the sort of sports science side of things. So, What sports did you play at school? Rugby was the main one. Okay. Yeah. Um and what like were you good at rugby? Did you ever want to pursue it? I don't think I was bad at rugby. Um, kind of, I don't think I fell out of love with it, but I sort of had, took a step back and just thought I I wouldn't be able to go much further with it because of my sort of physical size. I wouldn't have been able to play the position I wanted, and it was too late. He's not like tiny in case. No, no, there. but I'm like I'm like what five ten right. in the morning, seventy five kilos. Like, right. It's not, okay. If I was to go and play men's. I would get crushed. Yeah. Um, playing in the position that I used to play for my club, which was outside centre. Okay. Um, I sort of took a step back. I, I tried my hand at lacrosse. You don't really see much lacrosse in in England. No, it's a, it's a very. Is I mean, you see a lot of women's lacrosse. No, I, well, yeah. yeah. I mean, I remember like cradling or whatever. It, when I was bad at it, as with yeah. all sports. <laughs> um, but it's not something that's really televised, is it? No, it's it's very. It's a very niche, niche sport. Men's lacrosse players will start at university. Everyone's at the same sort of level. Okay. Whereas if you go in playing the more mainstream sports like rugby or football, you're going to have the guys that are good. You're going to have the people that are sort of average. And then you can, if you're a newbie, it's quite hard to break into that. Whereas something like lacrosse, where everyone starts at the same level, it, it must just be more appealing. But Okay. Um, so you're a strength and conditioning coach. And, I mean, wh- why did you decide to go into that? I... I started uh, um, at university doing sports therapy, that was my undergrad, so doing the sort of injury treatment side of things. And I tried my hand at that after graduating, I worked in a clinic for a couple of months, but it just wasn't really for me. 
So I, I had always enjoyed the sports performance side of things. The university I went to was, was quite good for sports, so they had um, strength conditioning provision there. And it was what, something what is it? Also. Sorry to... So if you, if you had to put a, like a term to it, it would be exercise prescription that's tailored towards sports performance. So you, you, whether that's in the gym or on the field doing conditioning work, but you, you're training to develop the physical qualities to succeed at sport. Now that is different at different um, levels. So what a youth SNC coach does is different to a professional SNC coach. And as far as the, the sort of traits that, and the principles they're developing is slightly different. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, the, it's, it's the development of physical qualities. So what's your sort of day-to-day then in your, in your role in a secondary school? So I will, I will come into the office nice and early. I've always been an early riser. Um, the first half of the day, sort of up until lunchtime when we have our lessons, I'll, I'll assist in some of the lessons if I haven't got any other coaching to do. And whether that's P uh, or Sports Science A-level or Sports Science GCSE or if it's just core PE, we have um, like athletic development modules, which are, is something I've created that ties into the, the sort of S&C world. And it's bridging that gap, gap between typical school PE I guess you call it and SNC principles and then in the afternoon when we have our games I'll I'll either coach or I'll run sessions or um or I'll just assist the sort of technical coaches okay like what are some SNC principles from an SNC coach's point of view yeah so it's, you've just got a new job and yeah. you know you've got a team of people that are potentially can be quite successful in mm-hmm. sports but really haven't looked at that side at all they've just yeah. so far been playing football because it's fun and yeah. things like that what would you the the first the first thing to do for any coach that comes into a team um is to gain the trust of the team okay if i when i started at the school if you imagine there's one of me and there's upwards of 1800 students if i start saying something they're not immediately going to buy into it right so you have to you have to gain the trust of of the players Right. Whether that's, you know, through just being someone to talk to, you so it takes a little bit of time, but you have it's to quite get pastoral the role yeah, as very, well, yeah, isn't very it? Pastoral, uh, which is another side of what I do, but you have to you have to develop that trust, and then once you once they kind of buy into what you're doing in your program, and they they sort of start to trust you, then you can you you sort of take them through the the program as such. Um, and that varies. Some kids will buy in straight away because they love a new coach. Some kids are quite guarded and they don't want to listen to uh, someone who is... Yeah, <laughs> they don't listen to a stranger or an yeah. adult. But, um, okay, um, so are there any kind of specifics that, that, you know, whether it's everyone needs to be drinking more water or, you know, things like that, that are kind of tips that people who maybe at their school don't have a strength and conditioning coach but want to take their performance to the next level. If you want to be a professional athlete, you don't just do all the kind of sexy, cool, you know, high Scoring performance Scoring laser goals and, yeah. Yeah, like you have, to, you have to do everything else first. And that starts with good nutrition, good hydration, good sleep. Right, okay. Um, and then once you once you're healthy and you're in the best possible position to, to train and undergo the stress that that induces on your body then that's when you make that step. But if you if you start training really hard and you do the, all these intense sessions but everything else falls by the wayside, then you're going to come across a down the road. Okay. Tell us something that we might not know about training. Okay, I'm going to repeat what I said 
yesterday. Good, because it was really helpful. Yeah, Um, and that is that you should never judge how effective a workout is based on how tired it makes you. Um, And what I mean by that is... So I went really slowly on my run this morning. (laughs) You don't... So just because a workout makes you feel like you're going to, like chuck up a lung or something doesn't mean it's the best thing for you yeah i hate i hate that because it puts you off you know you think if you're you know you watch you know tv episodes where Mm. people are in spin class and they're like faster faster and really going for it and you just think absolutely no way am i going to show up and be able to deliver something like that so it kind of i mean there there is a time and a place to push the intensity and, and working within different parameters but Particularly with social media, as I said yesterday, there's this stigma that if you're not throwing up on your shoes, then it's not worthwhile doing that, um, which is just nonsense. Like, there's like I said, there's a time and a place, yeah, to go and really push the limit. But if you sustain that over a long period of time, you're going to injure yourself or you're going to you're going to do something worse to your body because your body can't sustain it. It's not designed for that. You have to the sort of one of the key principles which is progressive overload sort of in physical development physical training is that you maintain a level and you gradually build the intensity and and the volume and and other such areas um, like that to the point where your body has to adapt to that stress and then you allow it time to recover and then you build up again and it's this slow and steady wins the race rather than I'm going to go all out and then have to take a week off because yeah. I'm ill sort of thing. So it's, you have to, it's you have to be sensible. with everything, like diet, you know, when people, it's yeah, like with absolutely. diet, you need to make a few small changes rather yeah. than if you're going to go on a juice fast for a mm-hmm. week, yes, you might see some fast results, but they're not going to last. Yeah. And with something like this, it's more about it's setting up good habits. Fitness is massive in social media. Yes, it is. Um, why do you think that is and and do you think it's positive i think i think it is positive but it is also negative it's also a bad thing and the reason i say that is because and i've seen this firsthand young people will go on instagram and they'll see people doing stuff that looks cool and they think they can replicate it, but they just, they can't. And they'll injure themselves or worse. And that, and I'm like, and you know, that's that's part of what social media is. But you, you have to think, you have to think critically about what you're looking at. Sometimes someone is putting out genuine information that's good. And sometimes someone's just trying to sell you something. Yeah. And, you know, more often than not, someone's trying to sell you something. Oh, you cynic. No, it's true. (laughs) No, I know. Obviously, there's a huge concern with people that things like social media, rather than lifting people up, also just make you feel inadequate. So, you know, if I'm going... So, for example, I went on a run this morning. Now, I'm a slow runner. Mm. I was not good at sports in school. I'm just not that way inclined, and no one in my family is. So, for me, to do a 4K run on a Friday morning is... Mm woohoo but then if I'm looking online and I'm seeing actually these people that are doing the 4k in half the time that I'm doing it Mm. it kind of puts a bummer on it you know um 
But equally, you've got then these sites that kind of motivate people. So yeah. it is a catch-22. Even, I, even I've done some videos and we like speed them up mm. when, we're doing, when we're doing videos. Or say, if I'm working out with my friend Holly, um, we will do a set of workouts together for her Instagram because mm. she's a personal trainer. But we'll do maybe like five to ten demonstrations of the exercise which which you can do really well and then you're like repeat you know for 40 seconds and actually if we were to film us doing it the whole 40 seconds that form that technique would be like straight down the pan yeah but that's that's the thing is that social media is what you see in a 30 second post on instagram yeah is just that it's a 30 second snapshot window of something that is the perception Must versus be, reality yeah. is just nonsense. Yeah. And it's and it's actually it sort of going beyond fitness. I can remember this from when I started at uni. I knew um, I knew some people who really struggled in first year to adapt to it. But when you look on their Facebook, they're yeah. always posting pictures and it's oh, I'm having the best times. And I did it like everyone yeah, everyone we're does all it. such suckers for it. Exactly, but it's and it's whether it's this um, this sort of image you're trying to project outwardly that other people see. Mm it's that's when I think it can be bad but if you're aware of that and you think critically to the extent of this isn't you know the gospel on the truth I think I it think, just it, yeah it you protects just, you a bit more it will it does like it does and but then you've got so many people you know younger audiences who do just think that everything is hunky-dory with everyone yeah. else and so for them, it's like, why do I have this black cloud mm. over me? Why can't I get out of bed at that yeah. time and do this? It's funny, like, I actually spoke to one of my friend's mums yesterday. I bumped into her and she was like, oh, you are doing incredible things. It looks like it is going so well. Yeah. And I was thinking, do you know what? I actually cried yesterday because the school pulled out. Yeah, and, I, and, it, and, and I was, you know, like, oh, my gosh, what if this doesn't work? And, mm. But then to the outside world, the only things I'm showing are, like, our bet show or yeah. our new podcast. And it's all positive, positive. But then you have to, going on that, you have to commend the people that show their struggles. Yeah. Because... That, I think, helps protect younger people. And there's some people which use it for essentially a dopamine fix when they get their, when they open up their Instagram and they see the likes. I was reading about that. And that's the buzz they get. And that's how someone might get self-gratification. It's bigger in this day and age, whereas when we were younger... Maybe not you, but you'd be climbing trees and or like. <laughs> Definitely, <laughs> yeah, like but my mum used to always say, yeah. anything I ever did, you, you know, I had a friend who broke her back doing that. And right. I'm not joking, my mum's friendship group was obviously all paralysed yeah. because, like, if you lean back <laughs> on your chair, you yeah. break your back. Uh, climb a tree, break your back. Forward roll, yeah. break your back. Therefore, that's, that's why I'm not good at gymnastics. Damn you, yeah. Lorraine. <laughs> And that dopamine fix, I was reading up about that, and that is nuts. The fact that yeah. you... So it starts being... Um, this is a tangent, but I read this somewhere, and it's quite interesting. So you might go somewhere like um, Paris, and you might have a great time in Paris. So you, it starts by you want to take a picture of you in Paris to remember that mm-hmm. moment. And then because you're in Paris and you've taken the picture, you get loads of likes, and that makes you feel good. Yeah. So then every time that you feel down, you log back into Instagram because those likes had made you feel good. But actually, you're not getting the same likes as you did for that time in Paris. So you start taking more pictures Mm -hmm. to try and recreate that. 
And actually, you then, rather than enjoying the experience of Paris, it's then it's all the about... It's you go after the lights. And we're, we are all suckers. I mean, yeah, your girlfriend I mean, I, is I the mean, worst. Yeah. But this is the thing, and I think like everyone does it. I mean, I have, I have my own personal social media page. Is that I, white chocolate? That, no, that's separate. <laughs> I mean, shout out to white chocolate for you <laughs> listeners. Whatever. Um, white chocolate <laughs> is Alex's um, page where he just basically <laughs> posts... It's not a page, it's not a page. What is it? He's, he's, it's on, it's on my Snapchat, on my, not my Snapchat, I don't use Snapchat, it's my Instagram story oh. when I play basketball. Oh, okay. It's my alter ego as a basketball player. Okay, well, I mean, let's just, that's a whole other kettle yeah. of fish, your alter ego I'll do white a, chocolate. I'll do a Q&A yeah. Um, but he's pretty good, that yeah. white chocolate character. He, is, he, he always, he always, uh, gets, gets the ball in. Um, okay, right, back to yes, strength yeah. and conditioning. So, <laughs> you are currently bulking. <laughs> Which yeah. sounds really fun because it meant that when yes. we went out for dinner, you got to order bread as a starter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what is bulking and what what is the process? Because you hear these terms, bulking, yeah. shredding. I always thought it was something to do with um, boxing, but I think I've made that up. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so bulking is just slang for gaining weight, gaining size. Now... The, the technical term of that is hypertrophy, okay. which is if you take a bodybuilder, for example, they they train for hypertrophy to gain size. Okay. The only reason I'm doing it is because I haven't done it in a while. A lot of my training was geared towards sports performance, which is a it's a certain style of training, and you know summer's coming around, and I want to get get that bod, yeah, get the beach bod. Um, so yeah, so that's so and to to bulk. Then, yeah, he's doing air there. quotes. Yeah. You can't see them, Alex, because no. it's not a video recording. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, so so you train within certain parameters, which is a rough estimate of your your one rep max, which is the, the total amount of weight you can move for one rep. And you do it for a certain amount of sets and reps, and that causes certain physiological changes in the muscle, and the adaptation to that is to gain muscle size. Now, to achieve that, you have to be in a slight calorie surplus. And what that means is you eat slightly more than what your body needs to sustain. I do that function. anyway. Well, well, then you're bulking as well. Yay! <laughs> yeah, and then and by having that slight calorie surplus, which typically comes, you know, it's maybe protein heavy, but, you know, calories are calories to some extent, You your body can, can adapt and, and gain more muscle mass. But... You know, you don't necessarily do that for forever because, I mean, you might want to, but yeah. Um, might not have the desired yeah, effect. You might have the desired but it's sort of, it's just a part of training. But if you, when you're younger, and I'm speaking from my own personal experience with me and my friends, when you're a young teenager and you get in the gym for the first time, particularly boys and, and maybe and girls as well, you might want to gaze gain a bit of muscle mass and those are the sort of parameters you work in okay but it does have a place in sports performance you need the underlying mus- musculature to develop strength and power so there it, it does it's based on scientific principles obviously but the the bulking sort of side of things is what you might see a bit more of in like physique training because that's so how you, get muscle mass. you bulk you train and then you shred and then you've just got the muscle left well no you, you train while you train while you're, whilst you're bulking yeah, yeah. um and then when you want to maybe lose a bit of body fat, 
if that's what you're after, you would again you just change the parameters you work with it, and then you you train to lose the body fat, and it reveals the ta-da Greek god. Exactly. Again, I will say that was not a stereotype. Yeah. He is Greek. Yeah. Okay, so let's let's talk about let's imagine myself and my sister ten years ago. What would you say to just kickstart? How could you kickstart it? There isn't. There is. It's not really like a cookie cutter kind of program. There okay, isn't. but so, let's imagine. But yeah, let's imagine that there is. Yeah, you 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 first of all, you just have to you set yourself some goals, what you want to achieve, and yeah. you sort of work backwards. Okay. So if you if you knew that was the end goal, say to get ready for prom. I don't know prom. Okay, yeah, great example. And you wanted to, you had a, maybe a certain weight or you wanted to look a certain way, you would, that would be the end goal and you work backwards and you break it down. And then you, you train to reach those smaller goals and then the pieces come together and hopefully by the end you've reached your, the end goal that you set. But it's, it's about breaking it down, no matter what you do, into those bite-sized chunks because by set, if you set a completely unrealistic goal... You know, you're just you're you're setting yourself up for failure. Yeah. Now, one of the things that like so I've been trying to get slightly more active, mm-hmm. um, and I've noticed just overwhelmingly like my just mental health and clarity and how I start my day is just so much more positive. Why is that? I know people talk about the endorphins. I don't really understand yeah. that system. What what does it mean? Because one of the things that obviously we like exercise can be really useful for is tackling stress mm-hmm. and you know for listeners doing their GCSEs and A levels this is going to be probably the most stressful times of their lives this is the first experience they probably have of real stress yeah. so is it something like that could help to combat that and yeah, and absolutely. why why does that work why does going for a run for 10 minutes make you feel better I mean, I don't know the exact sort of, the, the exact kind of physiology or like... Oh, well, that's, well, you're fired what, then. Yeah. <laughs> um, what was your degree in, Alex? What's therapy? You know, <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, obviously you get, it's, it's well known you get the endorphin release. Um, is that a hormone then? I don't know if it's a hormone. I think it's it just is. A, a chemical in the brain that sort of gets, oh, okay. gets released. We'll fact check. Yeah. We'll um, clarify that. Um, yeah, I mean, you, so you get it's the feel good factor, but then I think there's a big a big thing to be said for it's particularly when exams and stuff like that. It's a it's a chance to step back and get some clarity of thought and maybe just detach yourself momentarily so that you're not overworked and yeah. and beaten down. Um, if if I've got some students who all the way through sixth form they were in the gym regularly. And it's a big part of their sort of their identity and who they are. If I then took that away while, when they're in exams and they're already in a very stressful time, it's just gonna, you know, it's just gonna mess mess things up more. So yeah. why not keep the degree of consistency? And if you if you're training for, you know, forty five minutes an hour of your day, that's not gonna make really. I don't think really any difference. The the benefits far outweigh you know, the missed time of religion. Or oh, like d- yeah, definitely. From from the physical health and the sort of clarity of thought side of things. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely would recommend it. Obviously, if you're training six hours a day, which no one should really be doing unless you're a pro athlete, if you're training for ages and ages and you're not doing revision, then that's a problem. Mm-hmm. But having, giving yourself or factoring into your studies the time to 
exercise and be active even if it is just going for a 10 minute walk it's only going to benefit you okay um so there's lots of people that young people that want to that are aspiring sports stars and often as with lots of glamorous jobs the number of jobs versus the number of people that want to do them and are even qualified to do them is just completely like disproportionate and that can often lead to you know disappointment um but for people who really put their school career focusing on on sports um what kind of backup plans or what what alternatives are there if they don't make it you know to be that professional footballer but they don't want to walk away then with with nothing well first and foremost it's the it's the having an education to fall back onto and we spoke about that yesterday um yes but the listeners didn't yes, hear I'm it going to <laughs> um yeah so if you have the education to fall back onto it's it gives you at least it's something there um but if you're if you're training to be um or if your desire is to be a professional athlete and you're in part of an academy set up and stuff like that being involved in that world it it gives you sort of a, a look into a world that a lot of other people don't get to see and you're yeah. exposed to certain demands um, to survive in that environment like time management and you know having a bit of grit and determination it, you you without realizing it you will develop skills yeah and if it doesn't work out as long as you recognize that you know you haven't lost everything and I know it can feel that way because it becomes a big part of who you are if that's what your goal is you just have to find a new avenue to channel it into. My friend's father, um, like he was, he was a footballer and her, like injured himself. And he, you know, he'd made it. Yeah. If, if you're going to be, if you set out at, you know, twelve years old when I grew up, I want to be a footballer. You know, this guy would have ticked that box. You know, he played for Arsenal, played for England, and um, I spoke to him, and he came into our school and did a, a talk about when the fact that he injured himself and then it's like he was he's such an intelligent man and is now I would say more successful as like a sky commentator and and a journalist um and I think that lots of people can have that tunnel tunnel vision and not develop those other skills which actually mean that you can stay and, and stay in the environment that you love even if you are on a slight um on a slight tangent to you know what you were hoping to do so what other kind of jobs are there in the industry um obviously there's strength and conditioning which is like a type of coaching is it yeah yeah so you're yeah it's a coaching role you could go down the sort of injury rehab route and that you know that could be physios sports therapists you could go into the sort of chiropractor osteopath route i mean they're still they may not be as prevalent in sport as physiotherapy is, but some you know some clubs have a team osteo or a team chiropractor. Um, you could get into the more technical side of things, which is the sort of performance analysis. Okay. Um, and you've also got again like the SSC biomechanics. Um, it depends how specialist you want to get. You could be a you could be a, a team exercise physiologist, but you know those roles are quite few and far between. But it's there's there's lots of different roles to to assume within within sport um but it's just it's a very competitive market so you have to be prepared pretty dead set on it you have and to have a fixed tough yeah yeah, I mean, yeah 
What would be your dream job? My dream at the moment, if I had if, to give you my dream job now, I would want to be either in a university, right, or a professional team. Not too bothered on the sport. If it was rugby or something like that, would be quite cool. But I think if you're if you like coaching, it's more the practice of coaching, regardless of. Do you, do you not have to be an expert in that sport? Like, could you go and coach no, you, swimming? Yeah. Could you? Yeah. I mean, like that's yeah. That's, you have to be if you're if you're an S and C coach, you have to be to to kind of paraphrase you. You have to be an expert in S and C. Right. You just apply that to the demands of the sport. So okay. if I was working with a rugby team. You would obviously have to read up on rugby ballet? And, and ballet, for example. I worked in ballet. You did you? To... You worked in ballet? Yeah, I worked for the Royal Ballet in English National Ballet School. I did not know that. Yeah. That's really so, cool. Yeah, so you, ha- you, just, you, you, would, you would study up on the sport and then you would almost translate it to your language, which is the SNC, or at least my language would be the SNC, and you figure out the physical demands and how you would train and, and factor in the demands of of the activity. Um, okay. Yeah. Cool. Um now I know that you work in a secondary school but that's actually quite rare that yes. you have secondary schools where they have strength and conditioning. Mm-hmm. I think it, it comes down a lot to to resources and funding. Um strength and conditioning as a as a career is notoriously underpaid. Um Lucky you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um you you get a lot of the expectation is that you will basically work for free um, and that you're lucky to have a job. But seeing some senior staff may fear that they're branding themselves as a sports, a sports school. school. Yeah. Okay. Now, somewhere like Millfield, for example, which is a notoriously um, sporty school, like they're probably fine with that. But other schools may not want to have that image, so they that may factor into why they don't have that provision it might just be not ignorance but some some people might because it's a relatively new profession they might not be aware of what snc is and how it can be helpful for young yeah because i imagine that it's helpful regardless of whether you're an aspiring professional athlete i think it's helpful to have somebody that i mean i think of my pe lessons and i'm probably a very bad example and you could talk to someone else at my school and she probably had an incredible time um but i P was not really necessarily learning about your body Um, but I think that's important and that's something that I should have learned at school Um, I should have learned how to take care of my body I should have learned how to train appropriately because actually you know um, I know we said this yesterday but you could walk away from school with you know the best qualifications in the world but if you don't take care of yourself and you you know that's such a huge part of your life um, that you're not being taught about so anyway more ramblings do you have so finally finally we will end this podcast Mm -hmm. eventually do you have aside from sports and strength and conditioning um what are your other interests i so obviously sport is a big part of my life um i've always played sport I've, i've followed sports but to sort of get some detachment from that i like to just do stuff that's completely different and I grew up in a family where I guess you could say they were quite arty my mum would always paint my my brother and my sister were very good um your brother's um, a tailor now isn't he he is he's a, he's a he works for uh the English cut oh yeah um so it's that we, we always had 
you know, the sort of arts and crafts side of things. So I do enjoy doing stuff like that, whether it's... Quite therapeutic. Yeah, it's, and it, it completely, you know, you can switch off. Have you done any paintings recently? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, <laughs> I, as a matter I, of fact. I, I, I got a WhatsApp image last night. So Did I, you really? Yes. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I, I like to do stuff like that. That's um, please tell our listeners. What did you paint last night? It's so cute. He painted the the scene in the um, Aristocats where the um, Thomas O'Malley is like stood next to what, what's the mother called? Duchess. Duchess stood next to Duchess, and their tails are like intertwined, and he painted yeah. it. <gasps> so cute. Okay. Really? I painted that for someone okay. who loves the Aristocats. Okay, well, it's very It sweet. wasn't just a... Well, whatever, <laughs> if it was yeah. an expression, you know, maybe yeah. you were feeling a bit sick of your dog Darcy and you thought, yeah. I'm going to give some cat appreciation. Um, yeah, so it was I, nice. I, I, like, I like to do stuff. I don't do it very often, but I find it very therapeutic. So, but one of the things that we did talk about yesterday, which of course we don't have access to, but was this jock image and this idea yes. that, you know, if you're into sports, you're like an alpha male, you're, um, you know, lads, lads, lads. And it kind of puts a lot of people off maybe yeah. because they don't fit into that mould. And I wouldn't say you fit into that mould. No, and I didn't at school. Like when I when I was playing for my secondary school, playing rugby or playing for the club, I was by no means the the sort of loudmouth. I was actually probably a bit of a wallflower. Like I, I loved the, the sport and yeah. I loved playing and I loved the But you also love calligraphy. <laughs> <laughs> well no calligraphy came into my life later. Um but yeah I I I was probably a, a bit quieter. Um, I loved having, I loved playing like the sport with my friends, but I definitely wasn't, you know, one of the cool kids or one of that Aww. kind of jockey group. But I, I love the sport. And actually, when I left that, and school is brutal for that because there's such a social pecking order. Was there like locker room, like, you know, those like dodgy initiations that you hear not, about? No, at, like... not at school. No, but at university we have to like yeah. drink like a goldfish or something. No, that was a that was a different sport. Okay. But yeah, I mean, but that's that's I think that's a part of university culture. I mean, I, you know, it's weird. Yeah, but I don't think that's just isolated in sport. I think it's it's part no. of British university culture, yeah, which true. is a whole thing. But no, I think that yeah, there is definitely a some kind of stereotype. Was it intimidating for you? Uh. I guess so. These the, painful memories. At the, I guess so at the time, but that's more through being a teenager and growing right, up. Like, yeah. even, I'm sure, I'm sure, like with absolute certainty, that those, the the guys who I've played with at club and at school and university, who you know might be the the top dog, the best player. I'm sure they've had their own issues that they're dealing with. Yeah, like, it goes back to what we were saying before, like. You know, there's you might see a snapshot, but you never know what goes on behind closed doors. Um, so yeah, it was intimidating to it at times, but on the other hand, like, I thrived off that sense of brotherhood and the camaraderie and and, and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, so, I I I never had that, and I think that's something that I would have really enjoyed. I would love to go back to rugby. That's what I'm kind of planning on doing, which is why I'm bulking, to try and get a bit Ooh, bigger. Okay. Uh, I'm not playing at the moment, but I think it does take time to figure it out. 
Okay. And if you feel if you think you can do everything straight off the bat, you're just kidding yourself. You have to, especially as you get a bit older. Yeah. You have to suss things out. It takes time. Okay, I think we're done. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't have any other questions in my head to answer. So. <laughs> I mean, is there anything else you'd like to add? Because we are forty-three minutes and and thriving. No. No. Okay. Well, thank you very much, and thank you for coming in again. Um, I'm just literally going to end this and save it immediately. Okay. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you for listening. Thank you.